to the show. I am your host, Hayden Oakley, and this is the Alt Ego Podcast. On today's show, we have Amy Rickson joining us, and she pretty much just explains her entire story from start to finish of where she's come from, where she's going. You know, she's supposed to be a visual artist according to this episode's description, but she's definitely more than that. She's, you know, tried managing bands. She's been working, uh, you know, she taught teaching um, music for a little bit, and she's just done everything and she's working her way towards you know figuring out what it is that she wants to do with herself and i reckon there's a lot to learn from her story and her experiences and i I just thought it'd be a good opportunity to share this on the show today um big shout out to everyone who's been checking out the show so far uh give us a follow on instagram if you haven't already um and yeah drop me a dm if you reckon there's anyone i need to get on without any further ado here's the show take it easy thank you for coming onto the show Wonderful to have you here. Uh, Amy, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, um, I'm Amy. I'm currently a photographer at um, under the name of Rickson Creative, but I've also been in the music industry for probably around uh, six, seven years, I think. Um, yeah. Well, Thank you for having me, Hayden. No, no, it's, it's lovely. It's lovely. I've been uh, meaning to hit you up. And I just, I wanted to wait until I got a few episodes in before I had this chat because I want to actually like have a proper chat with you about, about like everything you've been doing. Because I think you've had a really interesting career and like you've moved around doing different things. And I think that's something that should be explored and, and uh, a story that should be told. So um, I, I want to start off by asking about like the earlier years for you. So what kind of family that you came from, what kind of environment you came from? Um, and just to get an idea of like your influencing factors leading up to where you are today. Right. Well, um, wh- I grew up in a very small country town in New South Wales called Dungog, um, which has like 2000 people. So very actual country town. But my mum was always a big believer in making sure I knew that I could do anything. Like she always told me that I could do anything or be anything. So I definitely was a very creative child. Um, I was brought up around like a lot of just musical influences like we we're always playing music around the house we always have like a sewing machine out and I was always just like constantly making things um so yeah I just I've always been making I've always had my hands full with lots of different things kind of like jack of all trades style just doing so much yeah uh, and yeah. so what So what was the structure like? Do you have any siblings or is it just you? Was it mum and dad or just mum or <laughs> was it go? No, no, it's just me and my mum and I uh, ran away from home. <laughs> we say that. Uh, I promise we didn't actually run away from home. My parents divorced when I was eight and my mum and I just, it sounds more fun if we say we've run away from home. So, yeah, it's been my mum and I since I was eight. And that's just been you guys up in the middle of, what was it, Dungog, did you say? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, in the middle of Dungog just the two of us it's a very interesting dynamic in a small town because um there's a lot of families of like multi-generational multi-generational families uh, you know where like people live in the street that is their last name because so many people have lived there um and my mum and I like we're not originally from Dungog I'm from Adelaide long story um but like from moving there it wasn't like I wasn't brought up as like a country kid like, you could study at school, you could study agriculture, and we had cows on campus, but that was never me. I just happened to live in the small country town. Like, I guess had the mind of, like, a more city kind of kid at the same time. Okay, so you've had that, that country town experience early on. When So you, you've been living there up until, like, pretty recently, right? Where do you live at the moment? Yeah, I um, I moved to Melbourne about six years ago. In February, it'll be six years um, and then 
I was I didn't live in Newcastle, but I was like I guess after school it it wasn't Dungog anymore. It was Newcastle, but still like smallish place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what was like so you were saying how like you know you, there was always just like stuff around the house where you could just like kind of get and be creative like the sewing machine and well, I'm guessing that was like your mum's influence right like kind of yeah absolutely my mum um has she's a creative person as well like we have paintings around the house that she's like painted on top of to make you know uh more individual mm. um and she, we always had like I don't know if you remember on play school but there there was always a useful box of like. Um, cardboard tubes and cardboard boxes and stuff like that. And we had one at home as well, um, just of, like, old cereal boxes and stuff. So I was always making... um, We actually still have one, and it's about, like, 17 years old, and it's this cardboard elephant that I made out of just cardboard boxes and toilet rolls and stuff. But it's still holding up, and it's moved (laughs) states. You know, it's so old. Um, It's... (laughs) Yeah, so we have a lot of, like handmade stuff at home <laughs> that's awesome what's, what's holding that together like mixture of glue and like magic or like what <laughs> and hope yeah <laughs> that's cool so this is like an alternative music scene podcasting and so what was your first introduction to like this alternative music world where did that influence come from for you Oh, well, I, I grew up listening to alternative music already like um, I have um, cassette tapes that my parents burnt for me that are like my own mixtapes from when I was three years old that have Silverchair and Offspring and Lenny Kravitz and a lot of alternative music even from when I was really young. But I remember watching some music program on TV like uh, Saturday mornings and they just play music videos and yep. I remember seeing Bull of My Valentine, The Last Fight on TV on a Saturday morning and it blew my mind. I was about... I think I was maybe 14 at the time and it's been uphill from there for sure. So that was a time and I remember that time frame as well, like when you could like turn on the TV and there would be like a fucking metal band like on what was essentially Australian MTV, aka that Pepsi 40, like top 40 hits or whatever. Yeah, hottest hits, something. Is that the one I'm talking about? Yeah, it was one of those. I remember it was on Channel 10, but there's always been like, there's probably been five or six iterations of the same show under new branding, that type of thing. Yeah, man, that was a time. I can't imagine how that would pan out today as well. Because like MTV, I think they're just like an online thing now. I think they've still got the channel, but it's like all lifestyle stuff and all the music stuff is like online now for MTV. Yeah. Yeah. They kind of, they took the MTV Cribs thing and then they took out the musical personality and just made it the crib on its own. (laughs) rough imagine being back in the day that would have been insane oh. to be part of that yeah it's a very different time now with the internet um with everything so easily accessible you know you don't have to wait till saturday morning at 10 a.m <laughs> to find your new music you just like log on to youtube and, like type in new music just about and find something new yeah except for yesterday i mean like i think we were <laughs> chatting and i was like wow like my youtube's like shitting itself and you're like yeah gmail shit itself Apparently, like, there's yeah, been the articles whole, all day today. Yeah, whole of Google just, like, decided to go to sleep. I mean, it was, like, 11 o'clock, so it was Google's bedtime as well. <laughs> it's, like, it's about time, motherfucker. You've been watching, like, cat videos for, like, four hours. Time to maybe log off for a bit. Yeah, it was, a, it was certainly a wake-up call, for sure. Oh, man. Okay, so, um, 
in the, those early days, um, you were going to school as well in, uh, I'm going to keep forgetting the name, Dungog? Dungog. Dungog. It's okay. Dungog. Dungog. <laughs> um, so you're going to school in Dungog. Um, what was your creative, uh, I guess, like catalog like back then? Like what were you doing creatively back in the day? I, I was doing a lot of writing. Um, and just writing like little novels and little short story things. But I was also um, quite musical in my teenage years as well. I, I've been having, I, uh, let me start from the beginning. I had um, guitar lessons when I was six and I kind of, uh, you know, learning like the basic things like Ode to Joy, that type of thing. Um, and that's boring. So I put down the guitar and only picked it up again like year seven. So I was doing a lot of music and singing and playing guitar. But then I was also... Um, yeah, I was writing a lot of creative stories and then I was also a drama kid at the same time and I was an art kid. Like every creative thing that I was allowed to do at school, I did all at once, even up until year 12 where um, they only suggest, from my school, they were only suggesting that you do one like big creative project for year 12 and I did four <laughs> and I remember the counsellor coming to speak to me being like, are you okay? Are you sure that you can do four big you know, creative projects in one year. And I did it. <laughs> I think there were only like one or two of us in the whole year that did all four creative subjects at once. Oh, that's awesome. So how did you go? Like, did you, did you smash it or was it like barely? Yeah. You know what? I did. Okay. I've never been one of those kids that could actually study. Like I, I still, I'm 24 and I don't know how to study properly. I would for like assignments and stuff. I just rewrite almost the heading the day before and then I'd be able to breeze through it um but I guess because they were a lot more creative I could just have fun with them it wasn't like I mean I also studied maths and I got 13% in my final exam Hell yeah. because you've got to actually know the answers to that but you know with like the creative things you can kind of make it up and bullshit your way through it like you make something and then the um the board will ask you what it's about and you can just make that up on the spot as long as it looks really okay. <laughs> deep and uh, introspective look at what it means to be a paper mache man. <laughs> yes, just like stick things to me as I need to learn them instead of me actually ingesting them like I'm meant to yeah. learn. I mean, like, I feel like there's like a lot of people that can like relate to that though because I know for myself personally, like I was really bad with like the studying part of school. Luckily, I was just like, one of those kids that I would just be able to regurgitate information pretty easy. So I was able to bullshit my way through most of school. And then, you know, I came to uni and I was like, oh, wow, I'm actually really not smart. Hey? <laughs> and um, yes. yeah, I, I fucking dropped out of that. But like having that, I don't know, the ability to like have another outlet in school, I guess, like another like path is probably something that is missing in a lot of people's lives. Cause and I know there's like this whole big things like, yeah, you got to do science and, and shit like that. If you want to go to uni, but it's like, I don't, I don't really think that's a fair assessment. No, I think there's very, very different ways of learning. Um, and I don't think they're all covered as well as they possibly can in schooling at the moment. I like, I haven't been in school. I graduated school, uh, seven years ago. Um, so I'm sure it's changed a little bit since then, but it's just very like, here's the paperwork, read it and then regurgitate it like a couple months later for the exam. Whereas I'm a really visual learner. So for like learning instruments and especially piano, I find a really easy one to learn visually because I can see someone playing it like on YouTube or something and then can just like make my hands yeah. do that as well. Where I guess with science, you can't like, you know, I can't have someone doing it in front of me to then learn because it's science. Um, yeah, 
it's it's a very difficult thing. Well, the creative subjects are a little bit easier in that respect because, yeah, you can kind of watch someone do it or you can um, you have the creative outlet. So, yeah, I'm glad I didn't, I didn't do any more maths <laughs> after I got 13% in that final exam. I got out of there real yeah, quick the, after uh, that. I, I did a year of engineering after, like, barely scraping... Because, like, on... Because in Victoria, when we did the maths exams, like, we don't get a percentage score. We get, like, a, a number between 1 and 50 uh, that is, like, a position on right. the bell curve of, like, all the students. So, it's, like, oh, yeah. if you get, like, a 25 to 30, that's, like, smack bang in the middle. Whereas, like, that, and that's what most people are getting. And then, like, there's less people getting, like, the higher and lower scores. So, to get, so it's, like, there might be, like, one person that gets 50, but, like, 5,000 people that get, like... 30 or whatever and so mm. i was sitting in that category of like 15 to 17 <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah hey, it's not one it ain't one certainly it, not one it ain't, it ain't good it ain't good chief but um <laughs> no i'm yeah, super grateful i was able to like figure out that there was other shit i could do um so getting out of school uh you started uh doing something out in new south wales i'm guessing so that was when when you moved to yeah um newcastle how old were you then was that 18 yes uh yes so i'm uh like a year younger than people in my year group i i guess so i was 17 in year 12 and then i turned 18 when i i went to tafe first to study music um so funny i did the interview at tafe in new south wales um for the audio engineering course um and i never heard back and i remember calling the tafe into the course what's going on um so i applied for their other music course which was music business and i got into that and i actually got like the the confirmation that i was in that course and the two courses did a lot of work together and i remember being in my management course and the teacher in the other course was like, but you're on my roster. Why are you in both? So I just never got told I was in audio <laughs> engineering. But I guess, yeah, so I just kind of fell into music business by accident. Mm. Um, but that's good because I've been able to do a lot of things. From yeah, that. so during that course, how long was that for? That was, uh, it was a six-month Cert 3 and then a six-month diploma. So I was in Newcastle yeah. for a year before yeah, moving Yeah, and here. so in that time, you kind of, like, developed a bunch of skills, which is kind of, like, leaning into what I wanted to talk about next, which was when you started uh, managing for Earthbound. Um, so yeah. what, what was your takeaway from that year that you spent in the TAFE? Like, was it a worthwhile experience for you? Absolutely, because it was very hands-on um, style of course where we would run a, a little performance like every week in the uh, cafeteria, I guess, of the TAFE where we'd have, um, you know, like there'd be performances from the music kids and the business kids would like do the promo and make the posters and stuff and then the audio kids would be able to, you know, like um, engineer the whole day as well. Um, so it was really nice and hands-on and I learned a lot from that. And I also performed there as well with um, some of the girls that I went to school with. We sung a couple times there. And I remember one of my teachers ringing me the night of uh, the night after I'd done a performance and asking me if I wanted to be a singing teacher just because of a performance. Like, I've never had singing <laughs> lessons. Um, so the first time I actually was in a singing lesson was the day I was hired as a singing teacher. <laughs> um, 
And, yeah, and I was just sitting in on someone else's lesson, learning how to do it, like, the day before I started. So, yes, all of Newcastle, all of that schooling thing really helped me learn that um, the music industry in Newcastle's okay, um, but it's certainly no competition to Melbourne. So I was like, oh, okay, maybe I'll move to Melbourne because um, it's a lot better. And my mum's originally from Melbourne, so yeah. she was able to come home when we, um, we so... moved down together. Oh, yeah, but we were talking about Earthbound. <laughs> that's right. No, that's cool. That's cool. Um, so what school was that, by the way? Just out of curiosity. Um, the TAFE. It was just the Hunter TAFE that I, I went to. Um, I don't know if it's changed. I think the music department's changed its name at the moment. Oh, do you mean my singing school? Yeah, the TAFE or you the, went to. The TAFE I went to. Oh, yeah, it was just Hunter TAFE um, in Newcastle. Um, yeah, I think it may have changed names since then all the music department's been like are always improving i think that was the tafe or the tafe course that got set up for silverchair because yeah. silverchair are from newcastle and i think that class got set up to teach them like what to do because they were only 13 when some of their songs came out so they obviously had like <laughs> no idea what was going on um yeah so i think they were involved in the creation yeah, of that oh, somehow silverchair story is crazy have you like you know the like the biography of like that band Yes, and how there was originally four of them and then one wasn't allowed to continue on and then, you know, they toured everywhere and that poor fourth member is probably just, you know, yeah. really gutted <laughs> that he couldn't be in yes, Silverchair because his mum said 14, no. Like fucking chugging beers, crying, just like, could have been me. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And I'm sure his parents probably still give him grief. Like, you could have been in Silverchair, but uh, no, you studied like, oh, hard. What are you now, a doctor or something, right idiot? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, cool. So you moved to Melbourne, um, and then how did yes. you get involved with the guys from Earthbound? Well, I oh, it's a long story, but I was studying. Um, I moved to Melbourne to study um, music business, um, do it like a proper degree in it instead of just a diploma. And then I remember buying tickets from a local band to go to a Trophy Eyes show because I went to school with Trophy Eyes as well. They're also mm. from Dungog. Um, just another connection. Um, I remember buying tickets to a local band and then that band hit me up again um, saying that they were... Um, one of them was an audio engineer and needed a uh, an intern for their little home studio and Earthbound was one of the first people that recorded with them. So then they were a brand new band at the time and they needed management help and I was studying management. So the audio engineer and I kind of worked together and then when they finished... Um, recording with him i was i just took them we just like all gathered together and ran out of there <laughs> so just just like uh when you and your mom you just picked up and ran away with <laughs> exactly yes i ran away from home but with earthbound oh, this so time. good so good so that that like whole inception of that like relationship just started there from that that little internship that's a crazy little little story though like how, how you got to get involved with those guys that was yeah. How long was that since you moved from Melbourne? It, uh, moved to moved to Melbourne, I should say. I think it was. I think it was in my first mm. year of uni. Um, so it was probably only about uh, six months from. Oh no, we recorded in December, so it was mm. almost a year since I'd moved to Melbourne that I was able mm. to. What degree jump were you in doing in Melbourne? Um, I was doing an entertainment business management degree at mm. JMC okay. and Academy. Did you finish it? 
yes, I did. It was only a two-year degree, um, and it was two days a week oh, full-time. Wow. So, yeah, I did finish it because it was... I know, two days a week full-time is a breeze. I had so much free time, which they want you to put into, like, actually going into the, the music industry and because a lot of how you learn how to do music yeah. business isn't actually from a classroom. It's from, you know, uh, the experience and doing internships and that. So I guess it was only two days a week so that I had a lot of time to do other things um but that for that first year no i just stayed in bed <laughs> it was great so how, how did you feel uh that that course at jmc um what kind of impact did that have on you in comparison to the first like little diploma and advanced diploma you did I think because um, the connections I was able to make from JMC, being Melbourne-based, there were just mm. a lot more opportunities. Um, so there were more venues. Instead of just like with TAFE where we put on the little show once a week in the cafeteria, at JMC they're able to put on actual gigs in proper venues like the John Curtin and the Evelyn and that type of thing and um, the Gasometer um, and venues like that. So it was a bit more of a... Not like it wasn't more professional, but I guess it was more realistic yeah. to an actual gig because then there were video kids there that got to like video performances, audio kids that got to engineer it, music kids that got to perf- like perform, and business kids who got to like kind of book it as well. So I like think it was just in the same way that the in the same way that the Melbourne music industry is just like a bigger version of i guess Newcastle the 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 schooling was kind of the same so i still got to work with like in the same atmosphere of like working with music kids in real environment just like you know on <laughs> caffeine i guess awesome so yeah you started working with earthbound well so i remember cuz i had a chat with tom as well and I think it was like mm. one of their first shows was at um, the Irish, the Irish pub. So oh, were, you, were yes. you a part of them yes, at that yes. stage? Yeah, I I've been, I was with Earthbound from the very, very beginning um, when I, I remember them coming into the studio um, and their contract said their name was just White. Like their band name was going to be White in capitals. Um, and then we kind of brainstormed it with the other engineer and I. Um, and I remember th- like hearing their first EP and it had no vocals because mm. Tom hadn't even joined the band yet. So like very early on. So yes, I went to all of their gigs um, from the very beginning, including the one at your local, so which was good. the Irish. That's so good. So what was that early days for you like um, managing, I guess, your first band? And how did, like, what kind of deal... Did, like came up with with the guys like how did you get yourself in that position was it just like a mutual thing so um i guess so because i was still learning so i was happy to tell them um that i i wasn't like taking payment or anything um i was just like learning how to do it and then when i finished my degree that's when i started to ask for payment from them but it was just i had a lot of fun like learning how to do it physically instead of seeing it um you know just like in my textbooks that type of thing um, so I think I, I did a lot more than a manager is meant to, cause I was still learning. For instance, like I, um, I designed a lot of their merch and I was taking their photos and I ran the merch desk and then I was like doing the posting on social media. And I think I took some of their photos, like their promo shots as well. Um, so yeah, I think I, I, um, I certainly did more than I needed to, to be a manager and that kind of, um, you know, like snowballed 
to the point where I I I couldn't do as I just wanted to do everything because I can't delegate. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, like, who's going to do it better than you? I mean, you're you're the you're the one. You're the brains of the operation. Right, exactly. Like, if I was do- I was doing a degree on it, so I was learning that day, and then you know, if they had a gig that night, I'd be like, oh, I learned about this type of thing. Um, hmm. So yeah, it was really fun to have like the hands-on thing. Um, Because I remember doing assignments with Earthbound where we had to, like, oh, make up a band. And I'd be like, okay, why don't I just use the band that I work with? So their photos would be in my PowerPoint presentations at uni and stuff, which was fun. That's cool. And that, how long were you doing that for? Uh, I worked with Earthbound for three years. It just, with the amount that I wanted to do from the very beginning, had Mm. I wanted to continue that as they grew, I don't think I would have been able to actually like work at the same time and still being a local band obviously they weren't earning enough money to pay Mm. me like a a wage that would mean I wouldn't have to work um but they're still doing really well which is good because I still like I look up to them and I'm like oh they're still my sons (laughs) I'm very proud still my little boys have left the coop they have they literally ran away from home on their own instead (laughs) Awesome. So after, um, you know, kind of like finishing up working with those guys, what was next for you? I took a bit of a break um, because I didn't want to jump into um, like doing the same thing because I would still feel like, oh, I did that for Earthbound. I'd have to do that for the next band kind of thing. Mm. Um, but I I was still working in the music industry. Like I would still – I used to work for Festival Hall as well as just like a, an usher – Um, in the venue. So I was still working there and I was still volunteering at music festivals and, um, you know, like working at the merch desk for local gigs and stuff like that. But I just took a break from managing um, because it's a lot. And I, I used to think there were three jobs that I never wanted to do. When I was in high school, I just, when I was thinking about the music industry, there are just three jobs I never wanted to do. And they were working in a recording studio because if you make a mistake, someone can replay that section of the song you've put out over and over again. I never wanted to teach because I don't like children. Um, (laughs) And I never wanted to be a band manager because if I make one wrong decision, that could, you know, like end their career. And I ended up doing all three. Um, Because I I used to be a singing teacher. I worked in a recording studio and I was band manager for three years. So after that, I I told myself, no, we're not going to do that again because you're going to dig yourself in a hole. Um, And I guess that's when I actually just started playing around with photography more, I think was actually when... Like, I, I still had my camera, um, but I, I'd had a camera, like, before that, but I think because there wasn't a band that I had to take photos for or do anything with, I had more free time to actually use my camera yeah. for myself as well. So, that was, like, prior to that, you kind of, like, had given up being a creative and just kind of focused on, like, the business part for, like, the last, like, four-ish years, and then all of a sudden, like you know, these things click in your head. It's like, oh, actually these things that I'm doing that I don't want to do, I'm just going to stop doing them. And then all of a sudden, like the creative world kind of just kind of flooded back a bit. Yeah, it was almost as if um, like I stood on a hose and the water just stopped and pulled up for a little bit. And then I took my foot off the hose and all the, the water was able to get through to the, the hose end. <laughs> that was that um, was an elegant, I, yeah, an elegant like, uh, <laughs> yeah, thank you. Could you tell that I, I used to write a lot? It's really stuck with me. <laughs> okay, so you you started getting back into the creative world. What was like your first little dabble into it? Because I know twenty eighteen was when you started the Rickson Creative 
Facebook page. I don't know if that's what it was originally or whatever, but that was when the page started. Yeah. Um, so I'd always like, I'd had a, a camera before that and I was doing all those like, you know, 2014 style edits where everything's black and white and then like one flower is in color. Um, but then, um, just through like searching for images on the internet and even just like browsing social media, like Tumblr, um, I found a photographer called Brooke Shaden and she is an absolutely amazing photographer and, um, fine art, um, artist who does like, um, the same composite style work that I do. And she focuses a lot of hers on, um, death and the beauty of death. And it just was so astounding to see work like that that from watching her youtube channel and her um her tutorials on how to create work like that i just like started and was like okay this is fun i can finish you know one piece fairly quickly um because I, I like being able to start and finish things quite quickly because i procrastinate if i don't finish things immediately i'll never finish it so being able to just like look at it on my computer and see exactly what I needed to do to make it a full image, like it just took off from okay. there. Okay, and so that that's is that when you started posting, or did you have like a period of like learning before you started posting, or did you just start putting shit out there? There was probably a, uh, it was probably less than a year, I would say, um, because my. The main thing was that I started an Instagram account for Ricks and Creative, but before that I was just posting on my normal Instagram, just like adding little extra elements to my photos or just because I have a very colour-focused Instagram that's just red, black and white. So prior to doing like the creative stuff, I was still removing colours that I didn't want in my photos and still using Photoshop. Um, And then once it started or once I started not only wanting to use black, red, and white, like, oh, I actually want green grass in this photo. Guess I better start another account so I can put green <laughs> on that account. Um, and it kind of just, yeah, it was just because I didn't want to change my my normal Instagram's color layout. Which I guess when you say green, so that was like the first photo on there, the, the falling girl, which I, f- I feel is like a pretty recurring theme with your photos. You like the falling girl image. Um, oh, they're so much fun to make. That's cool. Um, so, what? Because at the start, because I, I I've been following that page since you made it, and like it was a pretty slow start to the uploading, and now it seems like you're more frequently like uploading things there. What was kind of your criteria to putting work onto this page? For a lot of it, it was trying to come up with a solid idea that could actually feel like um, like a full image. Now I, I'll think of something and I'll come up with an idea that um, will only feel like one element to an image. For instance, like, uh, oh, this character can, you know, have three arms, but that's not a full image. Like, where are they? What do they look like? What colours do I want? It just takes a little while longer for me to um, work out the full image. And I guess, you know, back when I started two years ago, it was just a lot of working out what the other elements I actually wanted were. Um, And I guess it's it's come along as I've learned more how to edit my images. I felt more confident um, posting as well. Like there's so many images from two years ago that I've just never posted because they're just, uh, they just weren't, no. <laughs> just there's one that I keep coming back to. It's on my phone ready to post, but now it's two years old, so it's probably not great. And it's just like my um, partner Nick and I standing against a wall but our heads aren't there and it's just like a fork and a spoon like coming out of the neck hole of our shirts. 
and it's like technically pretty good I worked for a long time on it but it's just it's uh, no <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> it's not there no there's just uh I don't know what's missing it's just the flavor I guess yeah <laughs> so a lot of the images a lot of the images that I was making those first two years were a bit like that where I was like cool I did one element right now I gotta do the other 10 yeah and they just never got posted So, like, for you, like, what was your focus back then in terms of, like, what you needed to... So, you were, like, when you were working on these pieces, were you aware that these were the things you were missing? Or were you just like, oh, this isn't it, and just moving on to the next thing? It's like, oh, this isn't it. Or were you pretty, like, self-conscious? No, I reckon it was more... um, I couldn't work out what was missing. um, Because I, like, having... having done so many hobbies throughout like all of my life I've been able to pick up on skills quite fast from that um and so I get really frustrated if I don't do something perfectly the first time um so I guess if I couldn't work out what was wrong with the image I just put it aside um so a lot of it was just like okay there's a character what environment are they in what color's her dress okay done um and now it's more like okay where are they um does everything look realistic enough to post um what's the emotion and the story behind it instead of just like toying around with photoshop and that being it yeah cool um so across these last like couple years you've been you know more frequently posting um what kind of workflow and what kind of software have you been using like has that changed over the years and what's like what changes (laughs) have you made to your workflow (laughs) I still use the same version of Photoshop. I don't even know how old this version of Photoshop is. <laughs> I've been using it since the beginning, so I'm actually Googling how old Photoshop CS5 is because I have no idea, but it's very, very old. It's be- it's before um, the subscription service came into the Adobe software. Um, when did it come out? Oh, Google won't even tell me. How dare you, Google? Um, So, yeah, I use really, really old technology, but it still does the right thing. I think the only thing that's truly changed has been I've upgraded my camera once. Um, But I guess just, like, learning with the technology that I currently have has meant that I know that my current technology is good enough for the moment. Yeah, okay, cool. And what camera are you running at the moment? I currently use a uh, Nikon... D5600, um, which isn't a full-frame camera. It's still um, a cropped sensor camera. Um, But the one I started with was a Nikon D3100, which is very, very base model. It's, you know, today it's probably worth $200, so it was very, very nice and cheap for my parents to get me. (laughs) Thank you, parents. Um, Yeah, and then since then I've just been able to upgrade once. And I'm in the market to upgrade again. But I like being – I like my Nikons. Um, and I want to stick with Nikon, but then all these other companies are tempting me. So I don't know if I want to stick with Nikon or I've just got a lot of thinking to do in terms of what's next. I mean, next. like, wait, how, are the accessories cross compatible? These are the important questions. <laughs> right. Like I can, um, with the Nikons, like I've got the lenses that work for these, these cameras. So if I got another one, I'd still be able to use uh, that other stuff. Whereas if I bought like a, a Canon or a Sony, I have to get all my new lenses and that's just, oh, so much money. Cameras are so yeah, expensive. Dude, it's, it's the worst. I mean, I bought one secondhand, like, I don't know, earlier on this year. And I was like, oh, this is sick. And then it's like, I'm already being like, oh, 
Yeah, but like it's got like these these weird like you know graininess and like these weird noise things. Maybe 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 I could upgrade. I'm like I, I don't need to do this. Why am I thinking this? This is yes. Every, every time I walk into JB Hi-Fi, I have to walk in with like horse blinkers on, walking past the camera section, mm. just like chanting to myself, "I don't need more equipment. Don't need more cameras. Don't need more lenses." Um, because it's just so tempting just knowing that even the one model up can do so much more than the current one. Mm, yeah. um, but I'm very, I'm happy with um, the camera I have at the moment. And I use a, um, a 35mm lens or I still use the kit lens sometimes. I think my 35mm is like a good basic lens. Um, every photographer should really have like a 35mm lens. Um, but yeah, the kit lens that the camera comes with still does its job. It does all right. Good enough to make stuff with. Exactly, yes. And that's the important part. So for you, do you feel like there was a turning point um, in the last couple of years for, for you with, with creating stuff? Because I feel like there was a point probably, I don't know, like I'm looking through your Instagram right now. Ooh. I think it was probably when you put out like that Slender Man. Oh, yes. Where you started... Like, I feel like that for you, that was like a turning point where you started to really get a little bit more creative and, and start creating some full-on images. Yes, but absolutely. Um, so, your- oh, sorry, you go. <laughs> sorry, I'm, I'm just trying to talk over here. No, sorry. Um, was that your turning point or where would you feel that turning point was? That was absolutely the turning point because a lot of how to grow your, like to grow a photography Instagram, um, there's a lot of there are a lot of uh, like repost pages on Instagram of just accounts that will post artworks to their bigger following. And I remember that that was the first artwork of mine that got reposted to another account. Um, And then a lot of the comments of that account were like, Oh my God, this is so good. And I was like, Oh, okay. It's good. Like my stuff's actually good. Okay. We'll go from there. Um, And so that's why, you know, on most like photography accounts, we'll see probably like 20 to 30 hashtags at the bottom, as many as Instagram will allow, just to see if any of them will get posted to a repost account, because that's really how you gain your followers, um, is just that way. And yeah, once that photo did something, I was like, okay, let's play around with that. Let's, because that image has um, six arms. Well, I guess it's got eight. It's got six extra arms. Um, and then I guess the next like super creative one after that has like eight legs instead. Um, so yeah, going from what photos do well on Instagram kind of influences what, uh, what to do next in terms of just to grow an account. Not that like, you know, my likes influence my creativity or anything, but yeah, <laughs> that, that image for sure. Oh, it's still so good. I'm looking at it as well. Oh, I did such a good job. I'm proud of me. <laughs> Go me. Go me. I made that. <laughs> <laughs> so from that point um i feel like your frequency of upload and just like the quality of upload overall kind of you know improved since then like what has been your motivator for creating these pieces i think right now um and for the last i guess year um i i just want to learn new things um so testing out new skills um so some of the more recent ones i've done a couple challenges where you just post like you know once every 30 days like a halloween challenge or a seven day photography challenge and just trying to learn new skills um and new techniques every day with the start of isolation i actually kept a journal and made sure that i learned uh, like one new thing every single day um in terms of photoshop like if that was watching i watch a lot of youtube tutorials and i find that's my one of my favorite ways to learn just because i'm a visual learner and obviously it's a visual skill so it helps 
um, and just making sure that I was learning at least one new thing a day so that I could go back and know that, you know, my isolation was um, successful or I was, you know, I did a lot. Um, but then isolation got extended like twice and I stopped doing that. <laughs> but I got probably like, I think I got at least 30 days in of learning so many new things. Um, and right now my uh, my goal, I guess, is to prove to people that I do have a lot of skills because now I want to start reaching out um, and freelancing. I want to prove that I'm not just doing the same floating girl or the same, like, you know, person against plain wall every image, um, but which was quite difficult, obviously, through isolation when we weren't allowed to leave the house and I was trying to show people that I'm more than just a white wall, but the only background I had was my white walls. Bit, yeah, bit of, which a, was a, bit bit of a challenge there. Well, I mean, like, yes, you did that challenge, I think, the week-long challenge where you, like, did some serious, like, digital manipulation work, like the little skeleton dude, like, walking on a skull and, you know, the cups and stuff and the, the tower. So, like, those those works, those were all during isolation, weren't they? Um, They were, yeah, they were in March. So, that was just before we actually went into lockdown, but that was when, you know, shit was really hitting the fan. Um, but thankfully, I think with a lot of them, I was able to manipulate the background a little bit. Mm. Um, and then I moved house immediately after that. So I got bl- brand new white brand walls new that wall. were a bit different to my other white walls. I know. I was so excited. Oh, man. <laughs> um, so I feel like a big uh, moment for you as well, uh, was the tooth fairy piece, which I had a look <gasps> at on old mate Reddit and I can see you got like a nice big fat, uh, posts on r slash creepy, which got a bit of traction. Oh yeah. Um, Yes, that, that got 10,000 upvotes, and that happened all overnight. I remember waking up in the morning and just checking, because I've never posted on Reddit before. Um, and I think when I woke up, it had 8,000 upvotes or something. And I just had no idea what to think of that. I had no idea that type of thing was popular on Reddit. I've never used it before. But, yeah, thank you, Reddit, because that was fun. <laughs> Thanks, Reddit. We did it, Reddit. Um, <laughs> what was the inspiration for this piece? Because I feel like this was one, this one was a really popular one of yours. And looking at like the before and after, um, it was like a fair bit of work went into putting that one together. From what I can tell, oh yeah, um, that was that was days and days of work. That one, um, which was it wasn't like you know, I wasn't doing twelve hour days looking at the same image or anything. But definitely, I'd work on it for probably like three to four hours a day and then stop and know that I'd have to, you know, take some time away, readjust my eyes, go look at some sunshine instead of the same computer screen for so long, um, and come back to it. But yeah, it, it was a it was a long time that one. Um, the inspiration, I guess. I don't, I see the image first and then the story comes after that. So I just always um, seen or like imagined a figure looming over someone else in the bed. And a lot of how that image looks is just because of the way I shot it in the moment. I don't plan too much. I have an image in my head of what I want to shoot and then shit just happens as I'm shooting it. I just have to go with it because I'm my own model as well. Um, So if I can't, you know, like with the figure lying in the bed, I couldn't get that to look right, but it was my fault because I'm the figure and that's my bed. Um, so it's just uh, like, and I just have to go with it. Like the figure, the tooth fairy is holding a leather punch. 
Um, not any sort of tool that could be used for pulling teeth. It's just the leather punch because I couldn't, the other tools that I photographed on the day didn't look right. I couldn't get the lighting to look right or I held them on the wrong angle. <laughs> so they, yeah, like I, they didn't look real. It just looked like, you know, a stick. So I had to go with the leather punch. And thankfully, Reddit's the only social media that's pulled me up on it. And they, they were like roasting me in the comments being like, ah, yes, a whole, uh, you know, a leather punch. Such a good tool for pulling teeth. Um, but now everyone knows it's it's a leather punch. <laughs> well, I didn't notice. I, I was like, it looks kind of like plies. I'm not going to like read into that too much, but... Yeah, there's definitely enough going on in that photo that that shouldn't be the first thing you look at, that's for sure. <laughs> no, I feel like that one does like so much right as well. And I don't know, in my opinion, I think that was like another like turning point with, with your works. I, I guess it's like, mm-hmm. I know at that point, was that like your most like intense piece that you put together? Um, I think so. Yes, that was definitely one of the more heavy composited works just because I think there's either 21 or 22 separate photographs all put together in that image. Um, and, uh, the before and afters on the page as well. And you can see that the image is so orange toned because I tried to simulate the lighting and I just use incandescent bulbs that are so red, but that's not really very spooky in terms of like tooth fairy. So then I had to like fully color correct and also it's got four arms and I swear I shot probably like a hundred different positions of those arms to get them to look right. Um, but yeah, that was definitely a turning point for sure to show that I could make very odd monsters instead of just putting like the more human characters in fantastical environments. I was able to make a fantastical character in a more normal environment. So that was a big change for sure that I can actually, oh, cool. I can do that too. I'll add that to my arsenal. Yeah, put that in the old, uh, the old portfolio. Yeah, put that on my resume. Can make spooky creatures. <laughs> that should just be like, you know how like some people put like a photo of themselves in the corner of like their resume? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. Can you imagine? What type of jobs would I get hired at? Take that to a dentist and be like, here, hire me. I am dentist just, too. Just, you know, Baz at fucking Woolworths be like, oh, I don't know whether we should put this love on the counter. Makes me a little uncomfy. <laughs> my... <laughs> put her in with the leather punches. Oh my god! Like working at like a hardware store, and they see him holding a leather punch, and they're like, "Ah, amazing! She knows tools." <laughs> oh man! So moving on from from I guess like the work itself. Uh, overall, like mm. you've got this very visually consistent theme on your personal Instagram, which is like a thing that you do. And across this account as well, visually, it is all very consistent. Like all the work is like, you know, of a pretty decent standard. Like there's nothing on here that sticks out to me as being like, why is this on the page? So I think you've done a good job in curating it. Is there there a method to the madness or do you just kind of whatever feels right to put up, you just put up? Yeah. I think in the past it's just been whatever um, and then I feel like I fall into periods of images looking similar to the last one or using, you know, like a similar background because if I'm shooting one image, I'm probably thinking about the next one in my head as well being like, oh, I could also use this prop and stuff like that so they sometimes fall into um, patterns like that. Um, but then... The last couple images I've done, I think there was a series of three and I really wanted that to sit, stand out 
on my Instagram um, in a row. And so from that, because I still want things to look like they're in a row a little bit, um, every post beyond that I've had to kind of think like, okay, that one's quite blue-toned. Um, should I put another blue-toned one next to that? Um, but normally, majority of the posts are just the one I make next is the one I post next. Um, but there's a couple that I've been just holding on to because they look a bit similar to the previous one and I don't want to look like I'm falling into a niche of just the exact same kind yeah, of editing yeah, style. Yeah, that's fair enough. So, with because I know you did like this thing um, recently where you're like, I've, I've done like these cool ideas like, you know, framing band merch in a way so you could like put it on your website or whatever uh, and you ended up going and do some for free i believe how did that all go yeah um it's going really well i just because i'm um i'm very scared to work with bands in the same that i was scared to work with um like as a band manager because if i make one wrong decision you know like it fucks up a career in the same respect i'm very worried about working for musicians just in case they like fuck it up or it just looks awful and they've paid me so i wanted to do a couple for free i put it uh put out the the call to do 10 different bands for free um just so that i could get a feel for working for a client um, and I know, like, everyone should definitely be paid for their work and you should always pay your artists. But I know for me personally, I just needed that time to actually learn from a client. And then after the first 10, which I've now, I've locked in, from then on, I'll be, like, asking for payment just because I kind of mm. have an idea of what I'm doing now. Um, but that was just, like, for the merchandise thing. And then I'm going to do an, another set of um, 10 free shoots as actual, like, promotional yeah. photos with band members. And I want to learn how to do that, but I'm going to do the same system of like, okay, I'm going to do it for free. I'm going to learn what I'm doing. We have a job outside of this, so I, I do get money. It's not like I'm I'm eating two-minute noodles every single day and I'm totally poor. I mean, I'm anything. not totally poor, but um, I also so eat two-minute noodles every day, so I don't know if that's necessarily a prerequisite. Yeah. <laughs> I know I just had two minute noodles before we started. Um, but yeah, so I, I do have some income so that I, I don't have to rely just on this yeah. in case it's terrible as I'm learning. Um, so yeah, that was really good. Um, I'm still, a lot of the bands that contact me are, because it was in isolation and I couldn't interact with people. So the plan was for them to just mail me their merch and I do it on my own. Um, but then as isolation ended, um, a lot of um, a lot of the bands were like, oh, we can actually do it in person. So I've only done a couple of them so far, but they're all set up to do. And then, yeah, hopefully I'll be able to do the exact same process with actual bands next. That'll yeah, be do fun. some promos where everyone's missing limbs or someone's got four, you know. Right? Like, oh, I remember I went to – Brooke Shaden had a um, – uh, she came, she's an American photographer and she came to Melbourne and did a, a one-day workshop thing. And I remember then, and that was June last year, I just wanted to implement, like, the same kind of fine art, creepy photography, but for bands. Like, because bands are always, you know, they're kind of... There's generic photos that everyone does of, like, against the brick wall or, you know, everyone huddled around each other and the singer looks extra angry. Um, and just, I think it would be really fun to just make that a little bit more creepy. Um, and a lot of my photos just make people, uh, like the idea is to make people think or to just, um, you know, to pause for a moment and really consider what's going on in the photo. And I think that would translate really well to band photography because it's making people look at the image longer. Like if everyone's missing a head, you got to work out like, okay, why is this real what's going on what does this mean or you know fun stuff like that and i just think yeah i think it would translate 
kind of well not to toot my own horn, <laughs> Look, I, i'm not saying that it's going to be a bad idea but what i'm saying is that you should pay me money and then i'll do it for you <laughs> yeah why don't we experiment um and you pay me to do the experiment and then you might get some photos at the <laughs> so end what so like you've obviously got a um a positive out, outlook on it but what's your opinion on doing free work as a creative It's, uh, it's such a hard industry and the way that the music industry and just the creative industries uh, as a whole um, is set out in modern day does mean it's very hard to pay for the for work for what it's actually work worth. Like, um, if you wanted to pay someone a type of thing, like let's say I, I edit an image for three hours, that's like, you know, 60 to 90 bucks. Um and not everyone can afford that. And I think if it's from a creative perspective, um, like as a creative person trying to pay for that, not many, obviously, like creative people aren't making money, um, so they can't pay other creative people to work for them. And it ends up being this vicious cycle. Um, so I, I, it's definitely artistic work and creative work in general is absolutely worth paying for because it's something that we all consume um especially through isolation when we're all stuck at home and everyone's watching youtube everyone's watching netflix everyone's you know like looking at uh, stuff i don't know (laughs) like listening to new music and stuff so obviously this stuff is something it's something we consume every day just the same as we sit on chairs and we eat food so if they're getting paid a livable wage why shouldn't we um so it's definitely worth it absolutely um, but with the value of things these days, especially like oh, fast fashion, and if you can buy a shirt for four dollars, hundred bucks to take your photo, um, which is so unfortunate. But I know for my sappy to do a little bit of work for free to learn what I'm doing, um, and because I am so nervous, I just I I wouldn't want to you know make someone pay me, and I just stand there like you know twiddling my thumbs on the shoot, stuttering, forgetting everyone's names, and you know the band member doesn't end up floating. There's just one of them like sitting on the ground and the rest are floating. It could just end so badly. I'm so anxious in terms of that. But yeah, no, people should for their work. For sure. It's work. (laughs) So for you personally, would you say that it's more of a, um, like as a learning exercise, it's like, it's a, like working for free is something that you use as a tool to, to build up your, your skills and to build up your, your absolutely. Um, because it's almost, Oh, I'd categorize it almost with like an internship or volunteering at like, uh, you know, like a festival for a day or something like that, where it's like, it's just volunteer work and I'm still learning and I'm still gaining something out of it, even if it isn't monetarily. Um, so the skills that I'm going to learn on like how to pose band members, um, and how to make sure that I can actually get five people to all look at the camera at once. Um, is going to be worth um, the same as money for me for the moment. Maybe not in the future. That might change um, if if I start mm. getting enough work from this. Um, I might consider, you know, like making it a bit more of a permanent freelancing thing instead of my um, my job at the moment. Um, but that's obviously a long time away because I like my job currently. So I, I don't need I don't need to make <laughs> money from this right now. I just want to have fun with it. And make other people look creepy yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already creepy, but you can yeah, be creepy me, like, like me for the low, let low price. Let me brush my creepiness off onto you with the help of Photoshop. 
That's so cool. Um, and so for you, like, what is what does the future look like for you with this creative work? I mean, this is something that you've been doing for the last few years and you've been building up um, the, both the quality of the work and the frequency of the posting. Um, and, you know, like I, we were just discussing, you're starting to branch out and reach out to, to people to start working with them on a more client and um, I guess like what's the word and commission yeah like I freelance guess, basis yeah exactly so you're starting to build up those kinds of relationships now with people where do you see you know the ricks and creative brand i guess going in the future and just for yourself um i don't know if i would want to do this full time because i do kind of enjoy the monotony of going into a workplace um and just knowing my work for the day is there Um, because I struggle with procrastination and I think I would still struggle with procrastination. Even if someone was paying me, um, to be at home editing their image, I'd still be like, oh, but YouTube's right there too. I could just click YouTube right there. (laughs) Um, so I think I would still need some stability of like, you know, leaving the house at least a couple days a week and getting a, like a normal showering schedule together because of a day job. Um, but no, I'd absolutely love to work with, um, like bands and do promo photos and album artwork. And even I almost started selling prints for Christmas this year. I bought a really expensive printer. Um, and then I don't know. I have a problem with, um, doing too much research to the point where I'll never start something. Cause I'm just continuously doing research and I'm stuck in that cycle of being like, Oh, I could get this type of paper or, oh, no, this type of paper will last longer and I could print on this and I could frame it with this, but I want to do frames in this. So I'm I'm procrastinating making prints, um, but I'd also like to make, you know, I almost started as well um, selling, like, transfers of my photos on slices of wood from a tree and I bought a saw and I've been cutting wood and then I transferred my image onto it and it looks like shit so I don't want to sell it so now I'm back <laughs> I'm back in the I know it's awful so I'm back in the research stage of doing that but yeah definitely like prints and um selling copies of my work as well as um actually you know freelance like photographing people as well would be really fun. But who knows? Because I've gone through so many hobbies in my life that I don't know how long this one's going to stick, but I'm good at it. So it can just, it can stay here for now. You can stay here for now. So the the future is unclear, I guess you could say. Yeah, TBA, but camera will always be there, I would say. That's awesome. So we're kind of like getting to the wrap up point here now. Mm -hmm. Um, Is there any particular... um, work that you're doing at like at the moment that you want to talk about or is there anything coming up that you'd like to talk about um i don't know i have i mean i've got images that are like halfway done in photoshop but it's not like i can sit here like if there's a work coming up it's not as easy as like oh, i have a an album coming out it's like yeah i have this half edited image of my mum in a wedding dress but her head is a giant mouth that looks like a cactus not a cactus a um uh, what are those fly-eating plants Venus called? Venus flytrap? Yeah, that's the one, cactus. No. Um, yeah, and my mum's head looks like a Venus flytrap with, like, two sets of teeth. Um, but, like, I can't... It's not as easy as being like, oh, i got a new album coming out next month. So, no, it's just, like, a continuous workflow, I guess, of, like, half-done images and then also working with bands. Um, I've got lots of merch photos that I want to put out and show my, my skills on, like, how I can make people's merch look really weird and cool and not just, like, on a person. Um, and then 
Yeah, hopefully with bands next year, because now we're allowed to actually, you know, interact with other humans. Um, it would be nice to, yeah, actually, you know, work with other humans. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Well, it's, it's been lovely having a chat with you. Um, anything that we can shout out before we finish up today? I'm guessing your Instagrams and... Yeah, I've got um, Instagram, Facebook and Twitter all under Rickson Creative. That's R-I-X-O-N, Creative. Um, and if you're in a band or you have like brand merch that you want photos taken of, hit me up because I want to take your photos and make them look creepy. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, thank you so much. Um, I think you already sent me across the song that you want to have play at the end. Usually it's musicians on here, so I get them to play one of their songs, but you wanted to oh, play no, something by yeah. Code Orange, didn't you? Yes, I did. No, I didn't. <laughs> I, I want Code Orange, but I didn't write it myself. That's okay. We can pretend like you did. Um, oh, that would be nice. <laughs> thank you so much for jumping on the show. Uh, we are going to stay on the line a bit longer, but you can say bye to the world now. Um, thank you for coming on. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for having me, Hayden. Shut up!